Hello and welcome to the story. You are with Julie and this is a podcast where I narrate my books that are part of a fantasy trilogy. This is season three and the final story of a drama and suspense packed series. The book brings to life characters that are easy to identify and fall in love with. It is a story immersed in a plot that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Each episode is a chapter from my book and I encourage you to join our Facebook group, The Story, where we discuss the book and enable support for writers and lovers of great stories. You can also find me on Instagram, where you can DM me at Jules underscore rights, J-U-L-S underscore rights. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts and join us on a journey of storytelling. Hello and welcome back to the podcast and episode 15. How are you all today? I hope you've all had an amazing week and ready to jump in to another episode of the story and today's chapter today of the book, A Revelation. But before we jump into the chapter, I would like to share with you two interesting and eerie UFO encounters that happened in Australia, one in 1988 and the other in 1993. Now, the first encounter I would like to share with you is about a Perth family, the Knowles family, who had this encounter when they crossed the Nullarbor Plain in Western Australia on their way to Melbourne, Victoria in 1988. The family, consisting of three sons, their mum and two dogs, were travelling in a 1984 Ford Telstar. When they were approximately 13 hours into their trip, when they saw a strange light following them. The Knowles family alleges that this light was shaped like an egg cup with a yellow centre and saw this light between the hours of 2.45 and 5.30am. The light began to follow them and the son who was driving at the time decided to speed up to try and get away from this strange light He got up to 200 kilometres an hour before feeling or seeing the hot light hover above the car. It landed or something landed on the car with a loud thump before the car was lifted several metres from the ground before being dropped. The car, upon impact, blew out a tyre, causing the sun to make an emergency stop. The family, terrified, jumped from the car and hid in the bush for around 15 minutes, waiting for this strange light to disappear. They quickly changed the tyre and made their way to Mundrabilla Roadhouse, where they shared their story. Now, the witnesses say that the Knowles family were visibly shaken, and they were interviewed 36 hours after the incident had occurred. The Knowles family also allege that a strange grey smoke or mist filled the car, causing their voices to slow down when the thing landed on the roof of the car. They also claim that whatever was on the car felt soft and rubbery when the son who was driving, mother, reached out to feel what had landed on top of the car. 
Was this a UFO encounter or simply an overactive imagination? You be the judge. Okay, so the next encounter happened on the 8th of August in 1993 when a couple were returning home in the early hours of the morning from a visit with friends in the Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne, Victoria. Ellie Cahill and her husband at the time claimed they saw a circle of orange lights and silhouettes of figures and were amazed and intrigued by the sight. Kelly claimed that the lights shot off to the left of them and after approximately two kilometres of driving, they rounded a corner and came across a craft that was two to three storeys high and the size of an Olympic swimming pool sitting in a field. They stopped the car and went to investigate. They were so amazed by the sight. Now, as they walked into the field, several grey figures came towards them. And Kelly says that she felt like a a frequency of a low level filled them, and she soon became terrified. Now, she alleges that she became hysterical as she felt like her mind was being interfered with. The figures that were coming towards them had enormous red eyes, and Kelly said she felt a blow to her upper abdomen and an electric shock go through her before she was knocked off her feet. She later sits up feeling very nauseated and is blinded. She becomes hysterical before she feels a hand on her shoulder. The next thing, she wakes up sitting in her car. Now, after she arrives home, she discovers a red triangular shape under her navel, similar to a burn mark. Now, not only did Kelly and her ex-husband, or her now ex-husband, witness this, but so did four other eyewitnesses who claim a similar sighting and story. Now, Kelly alleges that several weeks after the incident, she started remembering more of what happened. She also began bleeding the day after it happened. And after three weeks of this bleeding, she went to the doctors, who claimed that she had a womb infection. Now, the other female eyewitnesses also claim to have had the same triangular mark under their navel and the sim- and similar bleeding. This encounter was mentioned on the show The X-Files by the FBI agents Mulder and Scully. Now, the, FBI, um, the X-Files was a popular show in the 90s. Now, it's up to you to judge whether this encounter occurred or perhaps just a part of a vivid imagination. As always, guys, let me know what you think. You can DM me on Instagram, Jules underscore writes, that's J-U-L-S, or send me an email, the story podcast, all in one word, at outlook.com. Or come and join us in the Facebook group, The Story. I always love hearing from you. Okay, let's do our recap of episode 14, Secrets from the Assault. There was so much drama in this episode. 
We heard how Marta was hypnotised and revealed how she came across Merrick, who mysteriously had the rope around his waist cut, and how she found him buried underneath the snow. Marta reveals how her village were all slaughtered by the Asaur, and how she managed to get away from them and their hounds that had developed a taste for human flesh. Marta makes her way to Dorhill Pass and witnesses children being taken. She believes the gods had a hand in helping her survive. Her hypnotic session ends when she becomes so traumatised by her past events that she struggles to continue. Eleanor is wary that her feelings, that Marta's feelings for Merrick, run deeper than just friendship. Axel is hypnotised next and reveals his promise of finding his lost sons and the shame he feels when he cannot locate them, leading him never to return home. Axel also tells of how the king of the Asaur can mind travel and that Dardanos, his queen, has fled to the far east. Axel speaks of how Dardanos has an appetite for children and humans are just a sport to her. He feels that the gods have helped save him and have helped lead him to Marta and the people he was to find and they are to be part of the future. Axel also reveals he witnesses he had witnessed the murder of Talat, the ancient seer, and his son Huxley. The hypnotic session with Huxley ends when he forgives Edith, wishing her best, her the best in her marriage to Sabin. Okay, now without further ado, let's get comfy and listen to episode 15, A Revelation. Enjoy. Kriya, Ada and Ulrich prepared to leave in the early hours of the following morning. As Kriya tightened the girth on her bay stallion, she heard someone approach. Looks like you're all set. Kriya spun round to see Torrin, his horse saddled and being led behind him. Kriya frowned and gestured to Torrin's horse. Where are you going? Torrin smiled and held her gaze. Kriya's heart skipped a beat. Feelings towards Torrin had grown and she struggled to contain the overwhelming emotions she had towards the handsome young warrior. She'd never felt an attraction as strong with any other man. I'm going with you, Torrin said simply. Irritation rushed over Kriya. I don't need a nursemaid. I can look after the three of us. Besides, Merrick wants you to train the new recruits for battle. Kriya folded her arms. A look of defiance plastered on her face. Torrin chuckled. Kriya, Merrick has given me permission to go with you. I think you may need an extra hand. And my father, Takio, is going to train the newbies. He had taken a step closer to Kriya and she could feel his breath. She felt a shiver run down her spine when Torrin placed a hand on her arm. She dared not look at him, not trusting her feelings. I guess I have no choice then, she whispered. Torrin lifted her chin, making her look directly at him. Kriya opened her mouth to speak before Torrin crushed her mouth with his. Eleanor woke and stretched, 
sunshine filled the room, and she wondered about the time. She sat up, rubbing the sleep from her eyes, and yawned. She frowned. Her babies had not woken, and her breasts felt heavy with milk. Eleanor pushed herself up from the bed, padded over to the crib. The crib was empty. Eleanor froze and stared at the empty baby bed. She shook her head and looked again. Her babies were gone. Eleanor raced out to the kitchen, struggling to stop the wave of panic and hysteria that threatened to overcome her. She instantly smelt the aromas of food being cooked and noticed Merrick standing near the oven. Merrick's name came out ragged and her breathing was heavy. Merrick turned. Nori, the twins are in the front room. Eleanor raced to the front room and collapsed on the floor next to her babies. The evil entity that she had dreamt about came to her mind. Tick-tock, tick-tock, the voice screamed. Eleanor picked up Annie, holding her to her chest. Tears streamed down her face. She felt Merrick behind her. Nori, I'm sorry, I was making you breakfast. I didn't mean to scare you. Forgive me. He whispered in her ear before nuzzling her neck. Eleanor smiled through her tears. Relief flooded over her, and she did not speak for a time. Merrick sat next to her, picking up the other twin girl. Promise you, Nori, I'll give my life to save my family and my people. Eleanor nodded. Annie fussed, nuzzling her mother's chest. Eleanor smiled and chuckled softly. She lifted her night and fed the hungry infant. Nori, come into the kitchen. You'll be more comfortable. Merrick stood, still holding Enwin, as he held out his hand to help his wife to her feet. Eleanor took the outstretched hand carefully, rising to her feet. She gestured for Merrick to pick up the rug that she used to place the twins on and followed her husband into the kitchen. I can't let them out of my sight, Merrick. You understand that? Eleanor said after she settled into the dining chair. Merrick placed the bread and a meat casserole on the table. He hunkered down in front of his wife. I understand, Nori. They won't be getting our girls. He stood kissing her lightly on the mouth. The four riders rode hard. Time had never been on their side. Priya was determined to make the journey as quickly as they could, and she hoped they would arrive within a week. As they continued, she had a feeling they were being watched. She reined in her stallion. Torrin pulled up beside her, with Ada and Ulrich not far behind. What is it? Torrin asked. Concern showed on his face. Kriya ignored his question as she studied her wolf, wanting to see if he showed any signs of wariness. The wolf was pacing, half whining, half panting. Kriya knew her feelings of being followed were right. There is a presence. Ada broke the silence. Ulrich looked around them. He felt the hairs on the back of his neck rise. Ada closed her eyes before she flicked them open. Their king has picked up on our trail. What do we do? Ulrich asked as his horse poured the ground. There is nothing we can do. No doubt he knows where we are going, and they have been watching us from the very beginning. Our enemy is close. Ulrich cast his eye around their surroundings. 
The forest was quiet except for the occasional flutter of a bird or a buzz of an insect. We need to keep going, Ada announced, before turning her small mare in the direction they had been heading. A sense of unease descended upon the village, and people seemed more reserved than usual. Eleanor could not blame them. She felt it too. She noticed more of the townspeople spending time in the garden. Some helped build more homes, others foraged for seeds to replant the forest, and some joined the growing group of warriors. Merrick had an arduous task of sorting through the throng of people that now called his village home. Tokyo was an immense help, having been a leader from the largest village in the land. Merrick kept his people busy, taking their minds off the danger that seemed to lurk in every corner. Anja, with the help of Serenity, meditated daily, seeking answers from the gods and those that had gone before her. She constantly went over everything that Axel had revealed in his trance, and she was grateful that they had learned so much. Marta threw herself into healing others, trying to forget the memories that had been summoned, bringing the trauma with them. It was something she struggled with. Merrick visited her often, supporting her. He felt it was the least he could do after she had saved his life. Eleanor, with the help of Kaya and Edith, started visiting families of the village. Merrick's wife wanted to be seen as a beacon of support and strength. She paid particular attention to the mothers, who had shared the same dream as herself, listening to their fears and making them a calming tea. Edith and Kaya took some of the children to give their frantic mothers a break. They always stayed in view so as not to alarm their parents. Edith brought their her own children, and her eldest daughters also played a role in supporting the families. Eleanor encouraged the newcomers to talk about where they had come from and their own customs and ways. It helped her to get to know her people and connect with them. Thank you, Eleanor. You were so kind, and we are lucky to have you and your husband as leaders, a woman said as she embraced Eleanor. It gave Eleanor strength when she heard similar comments, and she did not feel so alone. Many wanted the same thing she did, a home, safety, and a world without the assault. You are an ambassador for these people, Nori, Edith commented as she overheard what the woman had told her. Eleanor blushed. Thank you, Edith. I'm trying to help them, and I do what I would want a leader's wife to do if I were them. It's not just that, girl. Look at you. You're a role model for these women. You forgave your husband for what he did, and you had the strength to take him back and move forward with your life. Eleanor blushed again. The memories of Zuri and Merrick made her cringe. Edith did not mince her words. She was bold and forth. Eleanor was grateful. She was her friend. Thank you, Edith. Eleanor met the small woman's gaze. I'm only telling the truth, Eleanor. You don't need to thank me. Edith waved her hand, dismissing Eleanor as she turned to help a woman feed her bawling toddler. Eleanor smiled. A warm feeling welled within her, giving way to a sense of pride. Women can be just as strong as men, 
Edith is right. I have become a role model for my people. The thought ran through her mind, and her smile broadened. Anja was also right. She needed to act like a leader's wife and unite her fellow sisters. A village needed a powerful leader to fight and protect them. They also needed a leader's wife to care and soften the blows life sometimes delivered. Days dragged by as the village prepared for the imminent arrival of their adversary. Merrick felt a growing concern for his adult children and sought consultation from Anja. The seer was waiting for him as he entered the large front room. I knew you would come, Merrick. Please, come and have tea with me. She ushered him into the kitchen. Merrick followed. Where is Ludwig? It surprised Merrick that the servant was not bustling around the room, baking and cooking up a storm. Anja smiled. I've promised him a foal from one of Emsie's fine horses. The mare is due to give birth soon. He goes every day to check on her. She will produce one of the first of many horses that will be born in this village. Merrick returned her smile. That is very kind of you and Emsie, mother. Anja poured water into the kettle and sat it upon the stovetop. Thanks to Torrance raid and find of supplies, many now had ovens that they could use to cook with instead of an open fire pit. Although they would have to go on another search and retrieve mission, as the town's numbers They have reached the tree, Merrick, and are safe for the moment. Merrick nodded and sighed. The tree, I feel, will reveal answers for us that will be vital. The gods have informed me that Axel has given us a key piece of information. It will make sense soon. Merrick grunted. Mother, please be clearer. You talk like a seer. She let out a soft chuckle. We will have a meeting when they return, and I will give you the clarity you seek. Must wait until our, your daughter returns, which will allow me to have all the information I need. How can we defend ourselves against them? Merrick's concerns about how he would protect, protect the village had manifested, and it troubled him deeply. Anja sighed. She did not have a simple answer. Son, I've already told you I need to wait for the return of Ada. Merrick clenched his jaw and rubbed his face. There is another matter you need to tend to. Merrick frowned and looked up at Anja. Your feelings towards Marta will need to stop. You are married to Eleanor. You cannot hurt her again. Annoyance brushed over Merrick and he felt himself bristle. Fine, mother. I owe my life to Marta. She is only a friend. Jatisked, unconvinced, her son was telling the truth. The seer decided not to push the issue and change the subject. Need to organise training drills in getting to the forest. We need an alarm to alert us if the Asura sighted, which will give us the chance to get to the forest. I suggest we start them when the others get back. Merrick nodded in agreement. A thought crossed his mind, giving him a sickening feeling. What if the Asaur burned the forest again? It would make sense. We wouldn't have a forest to protect us anymore. 
Anja had had a similar thought and she was at a loss what the answer would be. Son, we must trust the gods. Once Ada is back, the countdown will start. There can only be one ending. Anja's words sent a shiver down Merrick's spine. Sun dappled the forest floor as the group of four made their way through the dense woodlands. Ada motioned for them to stop as the can canopy thinned and opened. Wait for us here. We will go to the tree alone. Kriya frowned before nodding. She knew she would not win an argument with Ada. We will be safe for the moment, but do not worry, said as she watched her aunt dismount. Kriya could not help but smile. She did not need words with one gifted in mind reading. Kriya and Torin watched Ada and Ulrich leave. They would have to wait until they were back before learning what the tree had revealed. The tree stood larger and wider than all the others. Its dark trunk swelled in its circumference, bulging with years of growth. Branches reached up and out, stretching towards the sky, a piece of flora that symbolised the connection between the gods and their green offspring. Once again it took Ada's breath away, astonishing her with its grace and glory. Ulrich stopped in front of it, lifting his gaze upwards, searching for the top. Ada closed her eyes, sending a prayer of gratitude that she had, for a second time, been given the opportunity to communicate with the stunning work of nature. Ulrich could not help but smile. Ada's description of the tree had not done it justice. Ulrich, please join me in listening to what the tree will tell us. I'm sure the conversation will provide us with many clues for what lays ahead. Ulrich nodded, still awestruck. Ada sat in front of the tree, motioning Ulrich to sit beside her. She closed her eyes and took hold of her brother's hand. Minutes slipped into an hour, and then two. Ada felt her brother shift, adjusting his seat as the hard ground became uncomfortable. Patience, brother. Ulrich was finding it difficult to remain seated, and his patience was running out. He was tired of sitting on the hard ground, and once again shifted uncomfortably. His stomach grumbled, reminding him that he'd skipped breakfast. He sighed and readjusted his position, trying to stop the stiffness that was building. Ada could feel the vibration of another as it slithered into her mind. She felt Ulrich give a start, knowing he was feeling the same entity. You have brought your kin, and there is an evil entity that is close. The voice paused, as if checking to see if it was still safe to keep talking. You must prepare for, for, for the finale. The curtain will fall and put an end to the siege between devil and human. You have yet to seek the memory of Dardanos. You will need to offer her something that you will never give her. She has a partiality of human saplings. Travel with Enja. The window is closing. 
Your powers will destroy her king. You need to practice them. They stem from the mind. Your brother is a great communicator of the trees. The birds are the messengers. There is great chaos ahead, much sacrifice and loss. Prepare for it. Heed the prophecy and turn the tide of destiny. As quickly as the entity had entered, it retracted, taking the finger-like sensations with it. Ada felt like her mind had been massaged, squeezed and shaped, the memory of her conversation with the tree embedded in her subconscious. She opened her eyes and prostrated herself in front of the enormous tree. Blood trickled from her nose. Ulrich watched her, fascinated. He felt like his brain had been invaded, scrutinised and evaluated. He shook his head, sure of what to make, the unfamiliar sensation that lingered. Come, we must leave. Ada was standing, waiting for Ulrich to rise. She wiped her nose with the sleeve of her tunic. Ada? Ada held up her hand and shook her head. She walked over to her small mare. Do not ask me anything, Ulrich. I need to meditate. The tree has revealed much more than words. Ulrich sighed. His sister was frustrating at times. Scouts rode in, announcing the arrival of Ulrich and his group. Andrew and Merrick were the first to meet them. Stable boys came to take the horses as Ada embraced her grandmother and then her father. We need to talk. Ada held Andrew's gaze for a moment before looking at her father. When? Merrick's brow crinkled into a frown. Tonight, Ada answered. See your husband, Ada, and get some rest. I will organise all those that need to be at the meeting tonight. Andrew smiled at her granddaughter. Ada nodded and made her way home that sat on the other side of the village. Ulrich left soon after, leaving Torrin and Kriya, standing awkwardly with Merrick and Anja. Just smile lingered as she watched the couple. I see you two are sharing the leadership role rather well. She chuckled, unable to help herself. She was relieved that her only daughter had finally found her soulmate. Kriya blushed at her mother's words. She was still coming to terms with the unfamiliar feelings she had towards the attractive young man standing next to her. Have to go, mother. I'll see you tonight. Kriya hastily left, hearing her brother's and mother's laughter echoing behind her. Anja took a sip of the wine. She rarely drank, but her thoughts tumbled through her mind. It picked up on Ada's memory of her conversation with the tree. It made her feel uneasy, and she struggled to squash the growing sense of apprehension. Her community's fate rested ultimately on her guidance. She closed her eyes, feeling the warmth that the wine created, soothing her. She, like Eleanor, understood the reason Merrick sought the comfort of the red drink. Her thoughts drifted to her eldest son. She knew his feelings for Marta ran deeper than just friendship, and annoyance washed over her. 
Eleanor was the perfect fit for Merrick, and Angie knew there was only so much she would take. Flamer came to her mind then, and she shook her head. Angie's younger son was rebellious, headstrong, and jealous. Merrick had given him a leadership role, which had placated him. However, she knew it was only a temporary fix. She sighed. Every person had a problem, some more than others, proving that being a seer was a difficult role to undertake. She knew all their strengths and weaknesses, their inner limitations and secrets. Her powers had only increased the older she got, and the enormity of the responsibility she had towards the sea of humanity rested heavily upon her. Do not shy away from the obligation you have been given. The gods favour you and you are worthy. Go forth and lead your people. You are not, al- you are not alone. Ask and you will receive. At first the voice startled her and then it calmed her like a caress from the gods themselves. Angie took a sip from her cup, enjoying the taste of the rich, fruity beverage. She and the ancient seer had never found out who belonged to the voice that had helped them in their quest to rid the Asaur. Mistress, Ludwig's voice startled her from her revere. Ludwig, is everything okay? Her heart had skipped a beat and she felt suddenly breathless. Ludwig smiled at her reassuringly. Of course, I'm just letting you know that your guests have arrived. Angie thanked Ludwig before taking another swallow, cup. Taking a breath, she made her way out to the front room. Ludwig had served refreshments for the guests that had made themselves comfortable in the room that Angie used for meetings. The group of 15 swelled and filled the room. Angie smiled when she saw them. Please, take a seat. We have a lot to get through tonight. They settled themselves on cushions, with Anja at the front of them. She motioned for Ada to sit next to her. Thank you all for coming. There is much to discuss. But first, I want to thank Ada, Ulrich, Creer and Torren for taking the journey to the ancient tree. A murmur of appreciation rippled through all those that were seated. Ada... Can you please tell us what the tree has revealed? She had spent the afternoon meditating, sifting and sorting through all the things that the tree had said to her. First, we must, we are to make haste to find Dardanus. She is a memory that we need to uncover. It is key. We also must offer her one of our children to use as bait. His voice trailed away and she could not bring herself to look at her mother. A gasp went through the seated group before they murmured among themselves. Anja immediately picked up on the reason her grandmother could not look at her mother. The answer was devastatingly clear. One twin, probably Annie, was to be used to lure the queen as she was to grow to be a seer. This would be the ultimate prize for the evil queen. Anja shivered. The Asaur were pure evil. Ada cleared her throat, bringing the attention of the group back to her. Ulrich is to communicate with the trees. They'll advise him of future attacks on our village. 
another murmur went through the group. This would be a significant advantage. I have powers to bring the king to his knees and destroy him. This brought not just a murmur, but a cheer. Ida smiled. However, Ada raised her voice to quieten the people in front of her. We must strategize, prepare, and unite. This will be our finale and our destiny. We have only ourselves, our gods, and the forest. Be prepared for a great loss and a different world. Her words had taken on an ominous tone, and a silence descended on all those who had gathered. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care, everyone, and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.